All right, welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. I am your host, Dr. D. Today, we are going to talk about skills and skills deficiency. So sit back, grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get at it. Yeah, I know there's something lately about me and guitar riffs. So thank you for joining us again. Skills and skills deficiency. Really? You think about all the things that you probably think you need to know in the realm of just normal life and and specifically preparedness, but how often have you sat back and reflected on what, you know, I learned something in the past. Do I still have the capability of executing that task? Am I still capable of doing it? I took X course 21 and a half years ago. Would I still consider myself current and probably not but that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the chaotic summer ahead and why you're going to have to look at some skills talk about specific skills deficiency areas to improve them and some you're probably not considering that have a significant impact on preparedness thanks again for everybody who keeps sending in great ideas good bad or indifferent to jeff at preparednesslabs.ca drop by and sign up for our newsletter at insidemycanoehead.ca all our offerings are over there and in the end the whole purpose of this podcast my friends is simply to get out the message that preparedness is a little bit more shall we say than a kit and some tin cans in your basement or a couple of bang sticks depending on where you live preparedness is a whole of life and at here at Inside My Canoe Head, we're all about adopting a prepared life and taking you along that journey. So we have a chaotic summer ahead. Why do we leave with that? Well, because it's really important to frame some of the skills that we're going to talk about. Irrespective of where you live in this world, politics, conflict, inflation, interest rates, even recession are having a significant impact on how you are conducting your lives. You're looking at your bank balance, you're looking at your checkbook, and you're realizing that it's a little thinner than you would like, and some hard choices have to be made. You may have just completed a very combative election where you live. The outcome of a recent election may not be who you support, and now you're going to have to live under their leadership for a period of time. You may be in or near a conflict zone, or you just may be having precarious employment. You're not sleeping well, whatever it may be. I'm a follower of the Stoic philosophy, and that simply means that we divide everything into the dichotomy of control. There are things that are within your control, 100%. It is your responsibility to address those and get them solved. However, the vast majority of things are actually going to be outside of your control. Things that are, they call them exogenous shocks, exogenous issues, exterior issues, whatever whatever phraseology you want to use. Something that is happening around you that is not because of you, but it is impacting you. And the only thing you can do for that is to simply understand the influence and impact it will have on your life and how you intend to conduct your daily normal operations, how you conduct your rocking and incredible life and chasing your dreams. How is that going to impact you? And then let it go. Really that simple. There's nothing you can do. Like, for example, I have, I have a lot of friends in Toronto. Um, 
Olivia Chow has just elected the mayor of Toronto. Uh, not everybody will agree with her policies, but whether you like it or not, for the next four years, uh, or less than four years, because it was a by-election, uh, she's your mayor. Well, welcome to living under Olivia Chow. Now, that can be a good or a bad thing, whatever policies she decides to do. As I always say, it is far harder to lead and in a position as mayor than it ever is to advocate for things. When you have the role, life is real. When you don't have the role and you're making all kinds of promises, it's really simple way to live. So now she's going to have some hard realities, but whatever she does, you're going to have to live under her. So you're just simply going to have to accept it. It doesn't matter whether you like it. You're simply going to have to make the cognitive decision that that will no longer cause you stress. And only one person can make that, and that's you. So that's an idea of the chaotic summer that's coming ahead, the chaotic summer that you're going to live under, and a whole bunch of things outside your control are going to cause influence. Understand the influence, and then put it to bed and move on with only what you can control. So when we think about skill deficiency, right, let's think about first what are your traditional preparedness skills? When you think about the world of preparedness and you think about the skills that you should have, what probably comes to mind? First aid is one of them, right? Uh, learning to cook without utilities, learning to grow food uh, on your own, at least to provide some part of your nutrient portfolio from your own garden, uh, being able to barter, uh, making community friends, um, having good sources of information. These are all traditional skills that you would think about in preparedness. And every one of them are indeed correct and valuable skills. What I want to point out first, though, is a number of skills that you may not be considering, but I would argue are very, very influential in how successful the execution of your preparedness plan will be. And the first one is your mental fitness. And I am dead serious. This is why it is the number two thing we talk about here at Inside My Canoe Head when we're telling and, and educating people and working with clients when it comes to building a personal preparedness plan. The first thing is physical fitness. The second thing is your mental fitness. Your ability to manage chaotic times. Think of working in an emergency operations center. Think of military people who are just thrive in the fact that they only have 70% of the information they, uh, they need, but they're making decisions where people's lives could be lost, and they navigate that. Think of first responders. Think of people who live in high-stress, low-drag things. You have to have the ability and the mental fortitude and capacity to make clear decisions. It's like Jordan Peterson says to young men, you are to be the leader at your father's funeral. You are to stand up, command, and lead the family, not be a blubbering fool in the corner. There will be time for that, but when it's time to lead and it's time to have mental strength and the world is collapsing around you, you really got to look in the mirror to see do I have that capability? Am I the type of the person who will step up in times of stress for considerable periods of time and not allow that stress to influence my ability to execute a task? Again, we will return to fitness, right? Um, the reason fitness is number one is because, well, let's be frank, the number one prescription prescription for poor mental health is physical fitness. 
There is no other thing on the face of this, no therapy, no drugs, no nothing that even in all the research even comes close to effectiveness of dealing with mental illness than fitness. Number one. Now, it's your ability to handle less sleep. It's your ability to function at your 100% with breaks in nutrition. It's your ability to navigate physically demanding, stressful times where you are executing far more physical labor than you might normally in your day. You're doing it with less sleep in higher states of mental stress and with periodic breaks or less than ideal nutrition. That physical fitness is what allows you, it sets you up for success to be able to do that. It's very similar to the argument about financial health, right? Your financial health is critical. So when an economic shock happens or something happens that immediately impacts your both earned income or what's in your savings in your emergency fund, your financial health puts you in a position where you're able to manage and navigate through something. You don't have a financial crisis that shows up on your front door that is outside your financial ability to control. Now, imagine this. If you are out of shape, you live a life of stress and anxiety, and you're broke or near running out of money every month, if that's the position of your standard of life and then chaos happens, your ability to navigate that chaos is near freaking zero. And that's why I don't care about the level of skills and supplies that you have or mounds of stuff in your basement if you don't sort your physical, mental, and financial health first then you are not going to be able to navigate a chaotic event that happens. Another important one is your ability to negotiate, your ability to de-escalate confrontation, your ability to not strangle the idiot when they won't shut up. Y'all know what I mean, right? I'm laughing when I say that, but you need in times of chaos and stress where people's stress are elevated because of this exogenous situation, the emergency, you have got to be able to learn and practice and hoist the board the skill of being a negotiator. Somebody who can de-escalate those in conflict, who can bring people around to rational thought, who can ratchet down the stress in a room, who can stand up in a room full of 30 or 40 people and give a calming, relaxing speech, even in the middle of terrible situations. You have to be able to be calm and keep people relaxed. And so those are some of the bigger, overarching, really, really important uh, skills that you may not necessarily be thinking of when I say preparedness skills. Let's look at skill deficiency for preparedness. You might think of the ones that I mentioned first, and maybe not of the, all the other ones that I thought out before. But here in our book, Preparedness Simplified, uh, book one, uh, the beginning, which is available on Amazon and, and on all platforms, um, we talk about some very specific other skills. Firefighting, right? It's one of the skills that's very, very important in safety. Uh, one of your animalistic requirements is your ability to extinguish a fire when you're sheltering in place at home. Now, uh, fire extinguishers 
can be had through a whole bunch of different ways. But if you go, I get mine from Costco because they're good and they're cheap and they're simple. Uh, they're ABC, which means they're good for anything. But do you know how to use a fire extinguisher? And you would think, yeah, of course I do. It's idiot. It's simple. But guess what? I was in the military for 28 years and every year we had to requalify on firefighting to use a fire extinguisher because no, it's actually, it's, it's, it's actually takes a bit of skill to span and wave back and forth at the base of the fire and don't try to tackle the flames. But you need to learn how to use the fire extinguisher. So if you don't know how to use one, there's a skill for you to learn this summer. Your skill of situational awareness, your ability to move about the world, but being aware of what's going on behind you. So you're not somebody who wears a pair of earbuds with music cranked or a podcast cranked so you can zone out everybody around you, put your head down on the subway, and before you know it, somebody is thumping you upside the head. Uh, or you missed all of the indicators that this doesn't seem comfortable and it's time for me to move right? Or you're walking down the street, especially if you're a young lady. It's uh, You need to be aware of your surroundings at all time. And when you're buried in a set of earbuds, um, you look like a target, right? Because you look distracted. Whether it's a pickpocket, irrespective of somebody's intention, don't make yourself look like a soft target. Make yourself look like a hard target. Walk around without earbuds in, your hands free, your eye, your head is just periodically scanning around. You're standing back from the edge of the street or the edge of the rail line on the subway. You're just making a whole bunch of minor things that make you look like a hard target and you're left alone for the most part. As well as first aid. A lot of people say, yeah, I know how to do first aid, but do you really? How many people get heat exhaustion and heat stroke messed up? How many people get cold injuries messed up? How many people truly understand how to splint a broken leg? I'm not talking about the boo-boo crap. We all know how to do that, right? Put a little poly, wash a, a wound out with soap and water, put some polysporin on it, put a boo-boo on it, give it a little kiss, all is better. That's great. We all get that. But the first aid for potentially significant injuries that's going to happen in the first day or two of a large-scale emergency where you can't get access to medical aid. Those skills are part of a standard first aid course for St. John Ambulance, uh, the Red Cross as well. Uh, it's great to have a first aid kit, and I think it's fantastic, something everybody should have. And by the way, you probably already have it in your house. You just need to collect all that stuff, and you need to bring it to one place in your house and put it all on the dining room table at once. And before you know it, you're going to have a pretty decent first aid kit. But without the training, eh, you got boo-boos squared away and that's about it. Now, it's easy for me to say that, right? Just get the training. Well, what about those who are socioeconomically challenged? What about all of those things that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast when I spoke about the chaotic summer? People under inflationary pressures. People who are precariously employed. Oh yeah, go out and get yourself a $250 first aid course. Well, that's easy to say from my basement office. Um, but the reality is all of what you need to know for preparedness, all of it is available free of charge from platforms like this, uh, from YouTube, reputable YouTube channels have how-to guides on absolutely everything, including how to splint a broken limb. Now, don't count on examining those at the time 
this the leg is broken because you're assuming the internet will be available but the idea is is that you will take the time to learn make some notes go to your local library or even better yet um you know go to your local thrift store i bet you it beat up old book section there's an old version of a first aid book at least it'll give you a manual and a baseline that you can make some notes on and update so preparedness is free i'll tell you that 10 times out of 10, right? Every once in a while, when you develop a personal emergency preparedness plan, as we do here at Inside My Canoe Head, and you identify a gap between what you have and what you need, there may be periodically a time where an item pops up in your planning that would facilitate the issue and it costs money. Understand that that can occur but that that is not the only necessary. If you are somebody who does not have any financial means whatsoever to put towards preparedness, that's perfectly fine. What you do have is time. And what you can do with that time is investigate free alternatives to that item. How do I get a fire extinguisher for free? Well, There are periodic programs that happen in communities. You talk to the local fire department. You talk to local charities. And before you know it, a local charity sponsors a $35 fire extinguisher for you. It's not a guarantee, but don't tell me you can't buy a fire. You can't put a fire extinguisher in your house because you can't afford one. That means you can't buy one. That does not mean you can't research, find, and figure out methodologies to acquire one, obviously without stealing it. Let's not go down that road. But you have the ability to fix these preparedness gaps and skills that show up. Now, I'm going to spend the last couple of minutes here touching on our favorite skill that pops up all the time for prepper preparedness and otherwise, which is known as bushcraft. Now, I have been in the back bush of Canada's boreal forest for some 40 plus years. So I don't put myself out as a bushcrafter. I'm reasonably capable of taking care of myself. I know there's some incredible bushcrafters out there that have great channels. Uh, A friend of mine has one called Pioneer Fieldcraft on Instagram. Brilliant man, brilliant man. Uh, When it comes to bushcraft, there are lots of advice and skills out there. I don't consider bushcraft a preparedness skill for how I present preparedness in the urban-suburban environment. Because the likelihood of you having to no longer be able to uh, shelter in place, and then you having a perfectly prepared preparedness evacuation plan, you executing that plan, and then finding yourself lost on the side of the road and having to use bushcraft skills to stay alive is such a a finite, small probability that I don't even address. Now, there are lots of people who do address. And if you believe that bushcraft is a set of skills that you would like to acquire, I think that's amazing. And it's, it's, it's incredibly empowering to know that you can walk into the, the boreal forest in North America, basically the woods, with nothing but your clothes and boots on and be able to build a shelter, start a fire and forage for food. You basically can survive with nothing but what's inside your cranium, right? And that's incredible idea. If you have time, bushcraft is a lot of fun to learn and, and it's come in handy. I mean, I went on a a canoe trip with uh, the guy who runs uh, Pioneer uh, Fieldcraft and 
he every night i mean there was there was all this wicked pushcraft being put together around the camp that just made our lives so much easier to execute at our camps along the route because this man had such great knowledge and there were other people there that had great knowledge too but remember um bushcraft is a learned skill it's a practice skill it's something great that you can have it's something that's very very helpful uh, but I don't consider it a preparedness skill. Now, some people are going to bark up the moon at me, and that's fine. If you want to be a bushcrafter, be a bushcrafter. But I would strongly suggest that if you're going to spend some time at the beginning of this summer, as we get into this hot, hot heat, uh, look at the skills that are contained in the book, the skills that I mentioned today. Look at the skills related to your physical, mental, and financial health. And remember, we're not saying you have to fix your financial life overnight. We're not saying you have to get in shape overnight. Like, for example, I weighed myself this morning for all of you nerds out there that care and whether you care or not. I weighed 214 pounds. I started this fitness journey at 235. 21 pounds down, I still got 20 plus pounds to go. I'm on a plan to get there. I have not solved, but what I've done is I've laid it as part of my personal preparedness plan to lose weight and to get into shape. And I'm doing it. It takes time. The idea of preparedness is that it's not something I solve this weekend. It's something that I commit to solving this weekend. If you understand that difference, then going through all of these skills will be far easier. What's your plan for improving your mental health? What's your plan for improving your financial health? What's your plan for improving your ability of situational awareness, your ability to, um, something I didn't discuss earlier, to fight, right? There's a, there's a very, very small percentage chance that you may have to co- physically combat another human. Um, that's just a skill that I recommend in the book and I recommend on this podcast that you know how to do. I'm not going to tell you what martial art to take, what self-defense class to take. I just know those are available in your community. And remember, fighting is not getting into an MMA ring. Fighting is not getting into a boxing match. Fighting is being able to physically remove a human being from your pathway to escape. That's all it is. It is no more complex than that. I am going to run from every fight that presents itself. The only fight that I will engage in is the one where it is necessary to remove the human being from the pathway that I need to escape. That's it. Bing, whack, whack, whack. They're, they're so, even if they're incapacitated for a half a second, that's all I need to step off on a run and I'm gone. Life is great. That's a, it's that simple. So think about it when you consider all of the skills that you may want to increase your capability, reduce your skill deficiency as you roll into this chaotic summer that's coming our way. And remember, I keep reiterating the fact that this is up to you. It's not about solving this weekend. It's about making the plan to solve it. It's about accepting responsibility for your outcomes and saying, I live a precarious financially economic situation. Um, I'm in precarious work. I'm in the gig economy. I'm uncomfortable. I can't sustain this. This is bringing me lots of stress. And because stress, I binge eat. And if that's you, fine, fair enough. Look at yourself in the mirror and make a commitment to fix it and take small incremental little decisions. All right, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And it takes time. I'm on a financial uh, plan to health. Uh, it's, It's years in the making and it's years to finish. 
but that's just the way it is. I'm going to be a while until I get where I need to be financially. Uh, physically, fitness, I'm probably six months away from hitting my target goals. Uh, mental health, they, you know what? That's a daily thing. That is a daily, everyday committing to make today better than yesterday. And today I choose joy and ignore the idiots. It's sometimes that simple, but that's it. Have yourself a great Canada Day long weekend. For my friends down in the United States of America, we'll speak to you next week coming up on your wonderful day. But July 1st is the day we celebrate this incredible, wonderful experiment we call Canada. And if you're wondering about why this is worth celebrating, there is a fantastic new book out called The 1867 Project, Why Canada Should Be Cherished and Not Cancelled. 20 Distinct Voices Make the Case for Canada. It's edited by Dr. Mark Milkey. It's available on Amazon. It is a fantastic read, and it is the proper way for discourse. It is standing up and fighting back against those who would call Canada anything but amazing. So take care, stay safe, and enjoy your weekend.